The Athletic. Hello, welcome to a special episode of the Athletic Football Podcast. I'm Mark Chapman and alongside me uh, for this, former Manchester City defender Nader Manua. Uh, hello, how are you? Very good, sir. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now, what makes this podcast special uh, is not Nadam, although he is a very special individual, <laughs> and it, I, it's most definitely not me. Uh, but uh, you have a very special guest on this podcast, a man who is a former teammate of yours. That is right, Chappers. And after playing professionally for 16 years, some say that's too long, some say that's not long enough. <laughs> I've played with and against some very interesting characters, but none more so than the person you hear me speak to on this podcast, and that is Mario Balotelli. Through for Balotelli. He was onside when the ball was played. Can Balotelli get a double? He can! And he smashed it! Magical Mario Balotelli! This is his For those that don't know him, before we get to your conversation with him, how would you describe Mario Balotelli? Well... I think contrary to um, the modern day football, he's firstly somebody who's very hard to get hold of. He rarely speaks to media. He's not exactly fully active on his social media, but he's a very, very interesting player and a very, very interesting character. And as a consequence, he's definitely someone who you should uh, do your research on because he's played at some very big clubs. And now he's kind of, maybe he's rising again, I'd say. He's in Turkey at the moment. Uh, That's where he's playing. When you spoke to him, where was he? I think he might have just woken up from a nap on his sofa, but I, I could I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But yeah, he's he's very much in Turkey, playing in the Turkish league, and he's uh he's happy. He's doing he's doing his thing. And I think for some people who come into this podcast with a bit of baggage on him, they might be surprised to see uh, how significant, say, Adana uh, in Turkey are in his life right now. Uh, let's hear from him then. Uh, this is great. This is Neda Manua in conversation with the one and only Mario Balotelli. Yes, Mario. Yes, Mario. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. What about you? I'm very good. You are the most difficult man to get hold of in the world. This is a <laughs> pleasure. This is an absolute pleasure to see you, man. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I was just resting. I'm very good. Yeah, of course, you, you're a bit older now, so you need more rest. I understand. <laughs> yeah. I understand. So let's start then. Let's talk about Manchester City because... It's been 10 years since they won their first league title. And you were such a big part of that. I think you were third top goal scorer. And obviously you had an assist for one of the most important goals in the history of the club. But what were your sort of memories of that season? Like at the start of the year, did you think you were going to win the title? Or what what did you think? To be honest, I wasn't really like 100% sure we could win. Uh, I know our team was like amazing. I played with amazing player over there and... uh, but also other teams were good. United were good. And until I think we just found out the last second of the game that we could win when we scored because until the end, we, we weren't winning. So uh, it wasn't really easy to guess our win title mm. that year, even if the team was very good. And, and with that as well, I forget, because you were only 19 when you signed for City. Like, as I go back, I feel like you were older, but 19 is very, very young. But one thing which you brought, you'd already won three league titles already. So that one for City, did it feel the same as the others or did it feel different? 
uh, it, it felt different. It was like, um, it's always nice. It's always good to win, but that probably for the way we won it, it was like, I, I don't think I could ever, and I can never in the future win something like that in, the, in, in that way. Mm-hmm. That was like almost impossible. Yeah. And can we talk a bit about your overall time at Manchester City? So it was for two years. And in Italy, you know, I knew of you, everybody knew of you, everyone knew Mario Balotelli. There were such big expectations on you as a player in Italy. So why did you end up leaving the country to come and play in England and for Manchester City as well? I think that was my biggest mistake to leave City. Uh, even if the year when I left, then I, I played very well in, in Milan. Mm. It was, they were like one year and a half very good. I played very good. But um, after that, I had some problems. Now that I'm older, I know that uh, I shouldn't have left a city at that time. When did you realize that? And <laughs> in all these years, seeing city improving, improving and improving. Mm. So I could have been there like Sergio for a long time. Yeah. With that, say, I was, do you remember Sharon, the photographer? Of course you do. So I was speaking to Sharon and I said I was going to speak to you and she was really excited and she sort of showed me so many pictures of you when you were at City and you always look really, really happy. Did you enjoy your time there? Was that a real view of how you were during your time in Manchester? It was It was nice. It was, um, especially at the end, it was good. But um, when I first got there, uh, it wasn't really easy. You know, first time I lived in a different country. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, England is so different from Italy. And uh, I, I can say the first four or five months, it wasn't, that wasn't very easy for me. Mm-hmm. But then I got myself into, get to know other people and go out and try different things. And you know, I adapted myself very well. And then I was good. But in the first four, four or five months, it wasn't easy, to be honest. Did uh, the fact that it was Roberto there, did that help you a lot? Yeah, of course. What is it about him that sort of you have a connection with him with? What what exactly is so special about him? But first of all, uh, he knows me since I'm like 16. Okay. I was 16 when he met me the first time. So, you know, when you know someone from a long time, it's also easier to have a relation and speak and and, you know, at that time I was also young and uh, I needed some direction sometimes. And I think it was the best person to give me after the two years I had with him in Inter and he's the one that put me in this football. So Yeah. To talk about so the balance of it, there are lots of people in England that really liked you, like really liked you. As soon as you mention your name, there's a big smile that comes on their face. What do you think it was about you back then that made them like you so much? Honest, I don't know. I, I think they like me as a player for sure. Yeah, and, and then probably they they read too much, too many <laughs> newspaper because the newspaper were talking, like creating stories every time. Even if I wasn't like, I know that. I remember sometimes I was home and uh, they just called me and say, "Ah, you see, they say that you did this, you did that." I was like, "Impossible! I'm in my house." And like, yeah. yeah, they create so many stories and they create the Mario Balotelli in England, but. To be honest, I was more quiet than what they thought, mm-hmm. but probably they liked also this part that most of the times it wasn't true. And yeah. Sometimes, yes, but most of the times, no. And when you know, you'll read something and it will say something which you know is not true, but do you do anything to make sure that everybody knows it's not true? Or are you happy just saying, make up your own mind? You know how many news they came out when I, in the two, three years I was in England? Like every day, like I would have, 
<laughs> I wouldn't have time to even training. I should be like on the phone, try to explain myself every time. I was like, I'm 19. They want to say what they say, what they want to say. That's the mm. problem. My family knows what I really do. So I don't really care to be honest. And is that basically what matters then? The opinion of your family? Of course. Yes. I think that's uh, when your family appreciate you or is the best thing. Or, and and uh, they know how I am. And of course, like as any 19 year old, I do my mistakes. Mm. What matters is really family, of course. That's so interesting because, you know, I played with you. It was only for six months, but I liked you. Lots of people liked you. Like, you, listen, you'd kill me in training, but I still liked you anyway. <laughs> but the thing with it is like, I understand some people think what they think of you and it's so easy a thing to think, but I would never say that was true about you. And what, what sort of feeling would you have when you read or somebody tells you a story that's not true? Were you angry? Were you sad? We frustrated or did it just not matter anymore no i was um now now like now of course i'm i'm like probably if i could go back in that time i would have replied and say stop just creating stories you know because some uh, in my career sometimes those things they they came against me a little bit you know yeah and but at that time i really didn't care yeah. at that time i really didn't care you know from the outside because like i'm a little bit older than you but when you were first coming through, the, the sort of talk and the expectation was that you'd be the next king of Italian football after Francesco Totti, after Del Piero. Like that feels like a lot of pressure, but is that really like what you wanted to be or did you want to do something else? No, of course. Uh, I love to play football. I think there is no, you cannot be scared to play football. That's the best job in the world, the best part in the world, the best hobby in the world. So uh if they give you pressure i don't think there's a there's really pressure there's something nice you can be proud of this for sure you know you said when you were 19 you didn't really care what people thought and now you know with hindsight you would change a few things but throughout your life did you always have that mentality that you don't care or was it something which you just picked up after you became professional uh, of course, sometimes I care. I care too. I'm, I'm human, so it's normal. Uh, there are some things like bad things. Uh, it depends also for what they say, you know. And there were like maybe some some argument about about maybe my kids or stuff like that. Yes, of course, I suffered mm -hmm. and uh, I suffer obviously with my family. And on the outside, I always show that I don't care. But there are some things I I did care, you know. Yeah. Again, you mentioned how you know to be to have the sort of pressure to be the next Totti to be the next El Piero like to play the game there's a lot of respect that goes because not every striker is going to be told to be the next Totti the next El Piero so there's a lot of pressure that comes but obviously they believe in you one thing I found as well I don't know if you remember this but when you were at City you really believed in yourself because I remember I remember one day at Carrington we were somebody was talking about Messi and Ronaldo and you said I'm as good as Messi and Ronaldo and there was like silence in the room but you didn't, your face never changed. You were being 100% serious. And that type of confidence, I think is one of the big reasons why you're as good as you are. So what I really want to ask is, are you the same person today with the same belief as you were back then? Or have you changed over time? I believe I, I missed some chances to mm -hmm. be at that level. Yeah. But I am 100% sure that my quality is same level like these people. But I, I missed some chances, you know, so it happened. And, and nowadays, I cannot say my, I'm good as Ronaldo because, you know, Ronaldo won, like, how I many? Six Golden Bowl, you know. You mm. cannot compare yourself to Messi or Ronaldo. I think nobody can, you know. But if we're talking about only 
like quality, football quality, I have nothing to to be jealous of them, to be honest. You know, I, when you were 19, I remember playing against you and you could do some things which were special. There were things which only you were doing. That was something which existed in that team, like Yaya was Yaya, Sergio was Sergio, and you were you, like you were special. And it's so interesting to see that you are now more experienced and you have a different mindset. Do you wish that maybe you had the, this mindset when you were maybe earlier in your career? If I had my mindset of now when I, when uh, I was in City, probably one golden ball I could have win it. I'm sure about this. Yeah. And, but you know, when you grow up, you mature more. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand that. And that's the thing that's interesting because I say I've seen your ability, but one thing that most people don't see who know your name, they only see the stuff that they read. They don't see you from Monday through Friday when you're training and they see your quality. So like, does that not frustrate you that people never really saw how good you actually are? And as a consequence, they just want to read about things that you're doing wrong. Does that frustrate you or are you okay? No, because no, but I think people know how good I can I can be or I, I, I've been or uh, I'm doing now uh, at the moment, even here. Mm-hmm. I think people know. They're just more interested about stupid things. And do you think you'll ever be able to get rid of that where people will always think about the other things? Because an example was last year, I'll be honest with you, when people, there was that story that said you punched your teammate. It was a big news story. And then I watched the video and I was like, he didn't punch his teammate. Like it said that you hit your teammate after you got substituted. Do you remember last year you came off, you came off and then you hit the back of the the bench. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. And the story was, oh, Balotelli punches teammate after being substituted. No, but wait, last year here in Turkey. Yeah, that was in Turkey, yeah, I think. So I... um. Oh, but no, no, I, Yeah. So this I is was, I, I never that, this is this I'm is shocked. this is my I'm this is this is my point because I saw the video straight away and I said, well, no, he's not hit him. He looks like he's frustrated because he's come off the bench and he's hit the dugout, but he's yeah, like accidentally hit the guy. But like I think that shows to me the sort of perception that people have about you. They always want to believe the worst, even when there's nothing there. And I, I'd love to know, like, how do you continue? How do you carry on when you know that's how people think about you? Like, there's, there has to be a skill to it. How do you do it? Why would I care when they say I punch someone when everybody can see I punch a bench? Yeah. <laughs> Why should I care, really, to be honest? But, it should, but it's the thing, it should be simple, but it's not. Because a lot of people read the headline and don't see the video. Whereas because I know you, I went to see the video. And as soon as I saw the video, it made sense. You know, so this is... It's an interesting place. And also now, for the ability that you still have today, like you're back with the Italian national team. Congratulations. The the king is back here. Yeah? The king is back, except <laughs> with a few more gray hairs now, I take it, yeah? No, I, I cut them. I cut them all now. <laughs> <laughs> how, did it, um, how did it feel being back there with Mancini again? Is it something you feel like, is this going to... Is this going to be you for the rest of your career now? Or did it feel like this was just a one-off thing? I feel it can be this for the rest of my career. And uh, that's what I want. You know, I just wanted to go back in national team. And uh, in the last two years, it wasn't, they weren't very easy for me. In Monza, in Brescia, they weren't very easy. Mm-hmm. I had some injured too. So um, I always say for me, normality should be being in national team. You know, the, 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 the thing not normal is when I'm not, so obviously I'm I'm working, I'm doing it to be there in March when we have the qualification and I hope he will pick me up, you know. And how does this work then? Because 
is it the same today as it was in 2010? Because in 2010, some of the stories I heard and the things I saw was that you were not being accepted because people said there's no such thing as a black Italian. Is, are things the same now? Are you more accepted now by the footballing nation or is it the same? You know, I think people care only when they need you, you know. Okay. That, that's what happened. And, and I saw it many times with different players also in, in the world. You know, people care. People love you when they need. Okay. When they don't need you, then they hate. They start saying maybe racist things and stupid things. And uh, I'm not obviously. This is not about uh, every everyone that is Italian, but there are some part that I can say they they don't like me. But now maybe because they need me, they change their mind. But as soon as things gonna go wrong, <laughs> they will go back and insult. You know. And and how does that make you feel? Like, is your identity like I am Mario Balotelli? I am a black Italian, or is there more to you than that? Sad, you know, it's very sad. This, but the way I think and I will, uh, the way I always say, I always say, I am African. Yes, Italian. Yes, I can never be Italian African. I'm African Italian. Yeah, and uh, I'm proud of. I'm proud, very proud of both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that, to be honest, that's the same as me. So I was born in Nigeria to a Nigerian mom and Nigerian dad, but I was raised in Manchester, and so I feel like I I have two homes. There's one place. This is where it's my blood. When I see Nigeria play, the pride I feel because those people are just like me is special. But then I do sound like this, and I have represented England. And I think having two more than one identity is a strength. But I feel at times when it's when you're black, I feel like it can be a weakness. Would you agree in terms of people the way they see you? Yeah, no, they will never. Uh, they will never even even in, not in a bad way. Sometimes you know, even friends, they will never really say you are like them and but but on this on this level like it's not racism is more is not to offend anybody but i think i agree because you know if we all live in africa and a white guy will come and live i don't know in ghana or in nigeria mm-hmm. i would we african are different you know we will make him feel home mm-hmm. but it will never be one of us you know i understand that but if it's something if something that doesn't insult or doesn't make anybody feel different, you know? Mm-hmm. But obviously, if I'm black and, and someone is white, we cannot be the same, you know? But we have to be treated the same, that's for sure. Yeah. And there's sometimes where people do mistakes, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think in some of the situations we find ourselves in, there's not enough empathy to understand that you're treating somebody differently to how, you would, how you'd want yourself to be treated. And I think that, yeah. is, a, that is a very, very big issue. Sunderland. Manchester United have done all they can. That Rooney goal was enough for the three points. Manchester City are still alive here. Balotelli. Aguero! In this big world that we live in, all the people that you've met, who really knows you the best? Is it just your family or is it your family and a few teammates, your family and a few coaches? Who knows you best? My, my family, 100%. And why is that? Because they just love me the best. I think all, all moms know that their kids. Like, I think they, no, 100%, I, I don't think I'm sure. 100% my family knows me. Has any, has any, have any teammates ever come close or is it only the family always? No, I had friends also in, uh, 
in football teams, you know, and uh, but nothing like I, I can't I can't really I don't think anybody really knows me as my fam family. There are some players that know me a little bit better, or they go out with me sometimes, but at that level to know me that well, no, nobody. And with your family, then, how do they feel when they hear how people talk about you? Is that is that hard for them, or do they like you just got to move on from it? At the start, they suffered too, you know, and they were like, "Why they have to do this every time? Why they want to give this image about you? Uh, we don't understand." Now they just got used to it. But even if, to be honest, in this moment, there is no really people talking bad about me. Like, I'm very quiet. I don't do nothing special, you know. Thanks God I live in a city where there is, to be, to be honest, not much to do. Okay. So you can go cinema or something like this. So there is really nothing to talk about here. Just football. And that's what I always wanted. I want, I want people to talk about football in all my life, you know, and this is, this is happening now. So I'm happy about this. Do you know, I'm happy. I'm happy you're saying that because this is like some people will always want to be negative about you, but there's nothing to be negative about. You're leading your team really well. You're focusing on your football. You're back in the Italian national side. And it almost feels like it hurts some people. Like it really hurts them because they want to see something bad. But you're like, you're an old man now. As I say, you've got the gray hairs, you've got the family, you've got this new perspective on life. This is, this is, this is actually incredible. And to close, I just want to ask you a few questions. Yeah. Where in your career would you say you were the happiest and why? The happiest, I think, when I started. Okay. And why? Because, because um, everything was like dream. I was young. I was like, what, 16? Mm-hmm. That was like, I would go back to that age, to be honest. And what was your so, sort of proudest moment in your career? I think the Euro Cup with Italy. That was like the, the best moment for me in my career, I guess. And what do you think you can still achieve? To be honest, you know, it's not a question I really ask myself. I just want to do match by match in the best way. And at the end of the year, I just will see where I am. But I'm not really thinking I want to do this. So the only the only objective I have in this moment is to go national team and to to try to drive the the, the Italian squad to the World Cup. That's the only objective in this moment. Really important, you know. And also trying to get in the third, in the in the first three places here with the with Adana. Yeah. And I know it's not easy, but there's probably the two objectives coming coming out in my mind like the most important in this moment you know it, it's incredible speaking to you now because you've changed so much from the last time yeah. i heard you've changed so so much but i've got to ask like when did this change happen you're a completely different person now i think um more than the age and the experience uh, i have to be honest i think since uh i have my kids yeah because it's about responsibility, you know, and uh, when you get responsibility, a lot of things change in your, in your mind, the perspective of things and, you know, what is really important and what is not. So that changed me a lot, I have to be honest. Yeah. And how about the moment when you won the league title for City? Like, is that, in terms of club level, is that the biggest thing you've won at the moment, the thing that brought you the biggest feeling or not? I think yes. Yeah. I think that was more... That was more um, emotional than the Champions League. Right, okay. When, 
the Champions League is amazing and obviously it's Champions League. You know, you win the Champions League is the best title you can win with your club. But the way we won it with with City and everything, that was really emotional. Too much emotional. Mm-hmm. Even for me, uh, I was so emotional that day. It was unbelievable. Uh, but you was playing. Yeah, was yeah, playing but I was. Yeah, I was trying. I was trying to stop you. That's that's the only reason you won because I was trying to stop. <laughs> and you know what? I, this that was. And you know, you know, so many people, so many people, when they asked me about this game, they were like, they were like, you know, um, Queens Park Ranger, they let you win. Nah, I'm like, nah, trust me, nah. they, they, they were not. No because way. you were playing actually very good. Yeah, we that that game. Um, as I remember it, was at halftime, Pablo had scored. So you were winning 1-0, you were winning the league. And for our side at QPR, we were going down because the other team was winning. So we had to do something in the second half. But we were doing that against your team, who'd only dropped two points at home all season. So this was like, wow, this is David versus Goliath. This is hope for the best. Yo, you changed you change the game in 10 minutes from 1-0 to 2-1. That was unbelievable. Exactly, exactly. But then when you score, when you scored the second goal, I was like, no, finish. That's finished. It, you could see, that, like, there's a saying that goes on here, which you might have heard is typical city. You know, that's what they do. They get the crap, people really excited and then they let them down. So it almost felt like that. But in fairness, you did it and you yeah, did it. The, the, the atmosphere this, was unbelievable. For the atmosphere, when you scored the second goal, it was so silent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Hey, let me, let me be clear just before I go. For as good as you were at Man City and you were very, very good, you only got one assist, but it just so happened to be the most important one in probably their history. And that was the one for Sergio. So yeah, congratulations, yeah. man. That's an iconic moment. And I've loved speaking to you. So thank you very, very much for this, brother. It's been incredible. Thank you, my friend. But thank please you. be more accessible. I've I've spoken to 20 men to try and speak to you. I, I send you messages on Instagram. I tweet you. I do everything. I, I go, I, I, wait, now I go on my Instagram, I see Okay. I've, I've probably deleted it now because I thought this is embarrassing. As a grown man begging another man to get for attention, Mario, I can't, I can't do Listen, this. I have to, I have to be honest. I'm very, very bad with my phone. I'm very, very bad. Most of the times, I don't even remember where I put it. Uh, I'm very, very bad. That's good, man. But either way, all good luck finishing in the top three. I hope you do well for Italy, and it's great to see you Thank happy, you so well-rounded, and you're, a, you're, a, you're a man now with grey hairs. This is great to see. That's, that's the best uh, thing you can tell. Yeah, for sure. Thank you very much, brother. Have a good day and good luck tomorrow. Thank you so much. Fascinating. Fascinating chat, Nathan. So many things we could pick up on just to just to end the podcast about uh, how you found him, some of the stuff that he said. Um, do, do you think a lot of footballers need to genuinely believe they are the best at what they do. You know, him telling you, his City teammates that he was as good as Messi and Ronaldo. Um, yeah, I think I think you do have to have belief in yourself, but sometimes it's good to just be quiet with it because at the end of the day, you want people to sing your praises, praises not you sing your own, because then people say it doesn't sound too good. Because when he was saying it, I remember thinking like, is it is this a wind up? Like, think there's anyone that's seen football the last 20 years, say Messi and Ronaldo, you wouldn't necessarily then say Balotelli as well. They weren't the big three, but that was his perception of himself. And looking back, he was only he was only 19. So him having that belief, I think in some ways, maybe it was him trying to say he believes that he can get to the very, very top. But the way in which he said it was one which sort of raised more eyebrows than it did sort of give him uh, applauded, so I'd say. Did you laugh at him at that stage? I, you know, I'm a really empathetic guy, so I did not laugh out. I did not laugh from the outside, but from the inside, I thought this is a story I'm going to tell ten years in ten years' time, 
on a podcast for the athletic and let people know that I thought this guy was off <laughs> his head because I like I'm a as is the case with most people you either camp Messi camp Ronaldo and so on so I was like camp Messi and I thought there's there's no way this guy is as good as Lionel Messi but still he had that belief nonetheless one of his big regrets and and he says that to you doesn't he is he feels that his biggest mistake was to leave Manchester City mm. and that if he had stayed he he could have he could have gone on to to a very long and successful career at the club. Yeah, that 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 is right. And I didn't ask him if he regretted leaving Man City for him to so for him to be so forward with coming out and saying it. You can see that it means a lot to him. You know, doesn't get brownie points for the interview for coming out and saying it. But that's his genuine belief. And I think for him, as is probably the case with some other players who left along that early part of the Man City journey. They see some of the iconic players that stayed there for so long. Aguero was there for 10 years. Vincent Company was there for 10 years, looking at David Silver, and they're having statues built of them outside the stadium. And who's to say that, you know, for Mario, maybe that could have been him because he was there at the right time and he was young enough to have been able to be there for that prolonged period as well. So it was um, it was a very interesting admission. And in some ways, maybe that's what's kind of spurred him onto this late section now because he believes there's more to come. And eventually, as you, as you point out in the interview, you know, with Sharon, the photographer, and you looking at the pictures of Mario, going back with her, looking at the pictures of, of Mario, eventually he was happy there. He, yeah. You know, you mention all the photos. He's looking like he's enjoying it. Yeah, he, he certainly was. I think, I think he really was. And I think lots of other players around that sort of time were as well, because even though, you know, the, the club was changing and it was changing to a point where the standard was so high that if you didn't win titles, then it was essentially a failed season and so on. There were still lots of good people around there where when you came into work, you enjoyed being there. It was very competitive. People were nice people. And he could see he, he enjoyed it. It was, it was a bit different because he was younger. He was like, as I say, 19 years old, Italian, trying to make his way through the game. But from as is the case with most clubs, from when people really settle in, you know, it's a lot easier the settle in the city, it's a lot easier to play. And then you start thinking about your long-term future there instead of just short-term, well, I don't like it now, so maybe it's time to leave. It's interesting because we began this podcast, didn't we, with me saying, what's he like? Mm. And and he says in the interview with you as well, you know, that, that the media around England created a Mario Balotelli in England. Mm. Were, were you aware within that group that that the that there was this creation going on by certain sections of the media that was very different to the guy who was in that dressing room with you. So yeah, I'm glad that you asked this question because this is one thing which I think some people who've made it this far would have been very keen to hear. And Mario wasn't perfect. I think he'll admit that himself. And there were certain transgressions which were objectively wrong. But there was a lot more being covered than, say, the substance in terms of what he was actually doing. Like he wasn't perfect, but he was perceived to be far worse because he wasn't a guy who you hated being around or anything like that, or a guy who you knew was going to mess up on like two, three, four times a week. But that was a perception from outside because that's all people were reading. You know, a story about him today doesn't go away tomorrow. It carries on the next day. Then there's the secondary and third layer conversations about how bad he is. Why is he at the club? How can he be doing this? And how can he be doing that? Again, this is the nuance to it because there were people yeah. within the team who were less open-minded than say other people were because that team at City at the time featured some very, very strong-minded professionals. Like picture someone like a James Milner, you know what James is like straight up and down. This is how we do it. This is the way it is. You compete, you do this, nothing off the field. You never catch him doing anything, even though he does sometimes do stuff. You know what I mean? He does like to actually have a life. But then you have Mario, who likes to have a life as much as he likes to play his football. So they wouldn't necessarily be as open-minded to it. But the fact is, they 
I think everyone from that era would say there's no way he was as bad as people were portraying in the media. Um, and and you actually are very good with him in the um, caring about what people thought of him because you know a, a younger Mar- Mario Balotelli might, did say he didn't care what people thought about him, but actually mm. he did, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, one hundred percent. I think you, if, if you as a human being, it's very hard to just completely disregard what everyone says about you, especially when it's negative. Like it, it hits you at some point, especially if you believe if you believe you're a good person, and people tell you otherwise. It's very hard to just move on from that because as he's seen throughout his career, at times that can affect him. I think anytime there's any particular story or something that comes out about him, I'm sure he'd love for one day for the mass for the masses to go out to the media report and say, well, that's clearly wrong because that's not Mario. But then instead everyone believes that it must be true. And then before you know it, when you're looking for a club, the baggage, there's the there's the real baggage. And then there's the theoretical baggage that people believe comes with signing Mario Balotelli, but most of that he doesn't bring himself. And he has had it. I mean, he did have it tough, didn't he? he yeah, did he, tough. he did, especially because when I think about, say, how young he was and the fact that he's come to a new country, I look at the fact that today when we talk about players who are 19, 20 years of age, we're talking about how young they are and how, you know, they'll, ah, they'll learn from that and, you know, give them time. They'll come good, they'll this, they that. But, he was, I think he was judged overall to a different standard. And again, I need to reference, he was not perfect because I can hear people typing, getting frustrated. He was not perfect. But I think if we sort of, if he was young and coming through the academy, I think they would have tried to say, you know, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that he's in a good place and we just need you to not be so aggressive on him because we think that the future of the club's going to be with Mario there, as opposed to seeing him as just a foreign player who's come in caused a bit of a fuss and as a consequence, you know, deserves to be criticised heavily. I found the answer to when was he happiest quite sad in some ways. When he said I'd, everything was like a dream when I was 16, mm. when I start, mm. that was like I would go back to that age. Yeah, to be yeah I think I get that. And to be honest, I think if you ask lots of other people, they'd probably say something similar, you know, because starting out on mm. this... Um, on this journey as a professional footballer, like at that point, everything feels new. You're going to play at this stadium for the first time. You're playing against that team for the first time. And if you're really invested in football, all the people you're playing against, you've watched on TV, you know, and that's even that referee, that stadium. Um, I'm on the news channel now. I'm being discussed in the newspapers. And for Mario, for as talented as he was, to start so young and to know that everybody sort of loves you as a prospect I guess that would have been a fantastic time for him. I think the realities of what football actually is, as is the case for most people when they come in, it's very different to what it is when you play in academy football and it's just your age group. Everybody's on the same page. Oh, we've got school in the morning or whatever. All of a sudden you're in a team there where people are paying for mortgages. People need to do this because it's their livelihood. People are fighting for positions. But at that early stage for the ability he had and the sort of vision he had for football and how much he loves football, here's your chance to go and do it now. But in this time, instead of being on an academy pitch, it's in front of everybody. Like, that's really exciting. And he still has ambitions, doesn't yeah. he? Still has ambitions and goals. Yeah, he sure does. And interestingly for me, I thought the ambitions that he'd have, if this was, like, according to him 10 years ago, we would say, well, I just want to be a Ballon d'Or because I believe I'm the best player in the world. And that would be it. There'd be no, like, explanation. It's just I believe that's who I am. But now he wants to qualify for the Champions League for Adana, the team that nobody in England has heard of in Turkey. You know, they're doing well. They're in the championship, uh, Champions League positions at the minute. And he wants to play for the national team. He come March and he wants to try and play at the World Cup for Italy. Like those, 
those answers ordinarily would be really boring. But when you think about where he came from as a person, it's actually quite exciting for him because he shows where mm. he is as a person now. And that's in a far more, it's in a, far, it's in a position whereby I think more people will get right behind him, I think. Uh, and and your experience of of all of this, bearing in mind you ended the interview with, please be more accessible. <laughs> I've spoken to twenty. I spoke to twenty men to try and speak to you. I send you messages on Instagram. I tweet you. I do everything. Well, well welcome to our well, world. I know. I, I'll be honest. <laughs> that's been the that's been the uh, toughest transition. And worst of all is because I've still got one foot in the other camp. So I don't like to press people too hard because I know how people react. So I'm like desperate for attention. Like, please look at me, look at me, look at me. Whilst also thinking it's a bit weird to be begging somebody to be looking at them all the whole, all the time. But we got him. We got him through the athletic. We got him. And yeah, it's one of the very limited interviews that I think he's, he's ever done. But also for me, one of the best because it shows who he is today as opposed to what he was when he was younger. Top work. Well done, Nadam. Thank you to you. Thank you to Mario as well. And also to his club. Uh, Adana Demispor for making the interview happen. Good work. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. There's also a written version of uh, Nadam's exclusive interview with Mario Balotelli on The Athletic for subscribers. Uh, we'll talk again soon. The Athletic.